1: I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And today's guest combines her experiences as a small business owner, conscious entrepreneur, and nonprofit leader with her work as a certified leadership coach. Her coaching training spans the areas of leadership, business, integrative nutrition, intuition, neuroscience, and heart math. Yes, that's right, I said Heart Math, and its mission is to activate the heart of humanity. I think we can definitely get into that in our conversation today about leadership. She is focused on increasing the leader's ability to consciously lead with purpose, intention, passion, and resilience. And in other words, she helps people lead from the heart. She works holistically, so leaders become conscious influencers. Please welcome today's guest, Jessica Schneider. Hi, Jessica.
0: Hello, Dr. Gary. So nice to meet you or be here with you today.
1: Well, yes, we have had some conversations in the past, and we're going to dig into some of those those things because all of us in life have challenges to overcome as leaders, as business, as human beings. And some of the challenges that you've had, uh, we're going to talk about those challenges and how that has fit in with your sense of purpose and direction as as a leadership coach. So tell me a little bit about your journey and how did you get into this leadership Coaching stuff?
0: Well, you know, the, the starting place of the coaching was truly an intuitive hit. And I was at a stage in my life where I was in transition, my kids were getting to a place where I didn't need to be at home with them as much. And it's like, what's this next iteration for me? And and it was this word that dropped into my head. And that was coaching. And that started me on a path that I really knew nothing about. And it's been one of my greatest challenges, but also the most one of the most fulfilling parts of my life. It's been extraordinary. And I have learned so much along the way. I've had to push myself, challenge myself, be vulnerable, be risky, fall on my face, um, learn about resilience, learn about humility. And... I think so many of us are in this place where we're in this transition and always facing these moments. And so being able to hold the container and space and conversation with people is one of the biggest privileges.
1: Yeah. So why coaching? Why did that word and that, that profession grab you in this transition? What about that? And how do you, what's your philosophy about coaching? How how do you define coaching or explain it when you uh, talk to people?
0: Well, I'll go to your first question. You said, how did that grab me? Yeah. Like, truly, it was an intuitive thing that dropped in through me. What I learned after I started to follow it was that it was such an alignment with who I was. I had been somebody who had spent a lifetime and not knowing who I am, questioning what I was here for. Um, seeking, learning, trying lots of different things and being incongruent, but not being able to listen to that internal voice. Mm -hmm. And so as I discovered this path of coaching and this learning about being able to combine that internal voice with that rational voice and being able to make sound decisions and being purposeful and intentional in the choices that we make to cultivate and create the life we want. That was the work that I had to do for myself. And that parallels the work that I get to do with others.
1: It's interesting. My, my brother, when he works with me on these leadership programs that we deliver, he will sometimes introduce me as a, in public speaking or something. And he talks about my commitment to leadership. And he says, look, understanding leadership for Dr. Gary is not what he does. It's who he is. And I'm hearing the same thing from you that coaching isn't what you do. It's who you are. You found, you know, your purpose in life, so to speak, right?
0: I found a way to express my purpose.
1: Okay, so talk a little bit about your purpose.
0: Purpose, I used to think was kind of this um, soft, fluffy thing that I truly wanted to know. But didn't know how to go about finding it. And it has become such a core and a pillar in the work that I do with my clients, and it's the most powerful work. And it's what energizes us. And it is that driving force that gets us out of bed every day. It's our true north. it's it, it's it's what it's that catalyzing energy that creates that life force inside of who we are. So when you ask me what my purpose is, I think like for me, I want to make the world a better place. And I, I think that's a common human truth. I believe that every single human wants to make a positive impact. And we just don't know how to do that. So in being able to work with my clients and getting them to understand and see what their purpose is, and I have this really beautiful way to come at it that is working from kind of a, an intuitive subconscious, not a thought deep dive sense. It's it's a very simple sorting way to come at it. And within 20 minutes, they see the framework of something spectacular. And so when you ask me what my purpose is, I get to express my purpose within my work, but there's lots of different dimensions that I get to do that. And that's what I get to do with my clients.
1: Yeah. So what I'm what I'm hearing your purpose is really to help other people find their purpose, and that you you draw this out. And rather than talking philosophically, let's get a little more specific on how you go about doing that. How do you how do you bring out that unconscious, intuitive understanding of a human's purpose? How do you go about doing that?
0: There's a there's a few different ways of doing that. There's one. Um, When I start working with my clients, I I talk to them about when they're on top of their game and have them share with me some personal stories, personally or professionally, when they felt most on top of their game. And when I listen to those stories and reflect those stories and the qualities and aspects that are embedded in those, that's where their magic is. And that's when they're most energized. And when we're most energized, that is a sign that we are acting on purpose so as people are in their stream of consciousness, they share things that they're not necessarily aware of, and I get to pull those out and feed those back to them. So that's that's one layer of it. And I also invite people to talk about kind of their magic wand. If you had a billion dollars, what would you do? And we often don't give ourselves that permission to think without boundaries, without limitations. So if we took money off the table, What is driving us? What would get us out of bed in the day? How do we want to spend those days? And as we start to give ourselves permission to explore and play in that playground, we get to see some qualities and elements that are really embedded in our purpose. And then I can wrap that with them through a sorting game. And it's a deck of cards that takes people through, um, and these aren't like a, a tarot card, these are very strategic cards that allow people to start to be prompted into the things that energize them and ignite them. And then through that, we are able to create a framework and a statement that allows them to be able to succinctly and powerfully articulate what it is that they want to wake up every single day and do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you and I did this and I have I have the cards right here. I uh, actually brought them with me for the leadership boot camp last week to show one of my fellow statarians how you go about this. And I was very excited about it because you and I went through the exercise in 20 minutes, drew out my top three words based on the words that you had there. And uh, it was very insightful. It was very consistent with what my mission is. It made a lot of sense to me. And I like practical for business people. I like simple, practical, and as you say, intuitive at the, all at the same time. So, yes, I went, I went through this with you. And one of the things that we do in, in the leadership program also is getting people to focus on their strengths and talents. I call it the wow factor. People don't even know what they're good at, right? But I, I did this and I did that. And how did you feel when you did it? It was like, well, I don't, I felt great, but I don't even hardly remember doing it. And I like your question, on top of your game, you know, what puts you on top of your game? So I'm going to throw that question at you. What puts you on top of your game? And how do you, as a coach, as a leadership coach, what are some of the things that that you help leaders do to stay on top of their game? How do you go about doing that?
0: So when I'm on top of my game is when I get to be fully present with my clients and I get to reflect back to them their genius. And I get Mm. to see... The value that they bring to the table that they don't realize. And when I can draw that out from them and reflect that back, I think we as human beings, particularly in our culture, don't always spend time in acknowledging ourselves and understanding the value that we bring into a room on a daily basis. And it creates a lack of confidence, low self esteem, anxiety, inability to make decisions. And so as I get to bring those out and hear that through their stories and reflect that back to them, they see themselves in a whole new light. I also invite them to build the muscle of self-acknowledgement and we can be very grateful and gratitude is something that, you know, I'm grateful for the sun. I'm, I'm grateful for the food on the table. I'm grateful for the love of my family, but those things are outside of us acknowledging ourselves forces us to look in the mirror and say, how can I acknowledge myself today? I held the door for somebody. I took a vulnerable phone call. I uh, had a challenging conversation. I... Walked around the block, whatever it is for that person, but to begin to build that muscle and, as you know, those neural pathways of seeing ourselves in that different light. And then we start to sing the magic that we bring into a room and the value that we bring into a room. And then we're able to see that in the people that work around us. And as leaders, you know, we have the ability to influence, you know, at least 16 people. So As we start to see our own gifts, we can acknowledge and appreciate those people and around us, and it creates connectivity. And, um, you know, i talked about the value of working in our strengths, and that's where people really shine and can have the greatest impact. So as we start to see our strengths, we can really harness and leverage those strengths to be better leaders.
1: And... Because of that self acceptance, I think that what I'm hearing underneath all of this is the ability to then accept others and see the strengths in others. You're not in competition with them, you're in collaboration and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I also love what you've said several times about stories, you know, and uh, being able to tell a story in leadership is a real key skill. But understanding your own story, as you talk about, is truly digging into and understanding. The, the strengths, the limitations, the blemishes, the, the shortcomings, however we want to call it. People say, I don't want to talk about negatives and I don't want to talk about weaknesses. And I, I don't, I don't like the word weaknesses either, but I do talk about limitations and recognizing limitations in a team is very, very powerful because it allows us to express that with vulnerability and not expect me to do things that I'm not good at. And the team knows that, right? So I can then accept that in others, instead of being, you know, judgmental about somebody else's weaknesses, I can say, what does this person do well and what can they contribute to the team? So there's kind of this, so you talk about being a a connector of all these things, right? And that's what I'm listening. That's what I'm hearing is a connection with all of these things that you work on to activate that, that heart and mind of of another person.
0: And, You know, when you talk about those things that we're not so strong at, often those things suck the life out of us, and they deplete us, and they destroy our energy. And when there's somebody right next to you who gets energized by that, who can take on that strategic or that creative or that process task that sucks the life out of you, it creates so much mental freedom. And we're at a time where we're in such stress. And over, I think, I, 90% of doctor's visits are related to stress. People are burnt out. They're worn down. We live in an environment of constant negativity. And so it's always paying attention to those things that deplete you and suck the life out of you and make you feel small and contracted And paying attention to those things that make you feel expanded, that make you feel open, as you say, when you're, you know, like when you're in your gifts, when you're in your flow, when you're in your genius, because that's what we're meant to do more of. And then these other things are the things we're meant to move away from. What can we delete? What can we get rid of from our life? What can we delegate? What can somebody else take on? Or what do we have to really reframe and go, this is a certain reality that to some extent I have to accept this and how can I reframe this so this isn't a chronic drain on my life.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about this for a second. I wanna put a couple of thoughts together as you talk about this because it is my opinion and I like to think it's based on some level of research or understanding of the neural pathways that create our focus on those limitations that we have is because of 12 to 16 to 20 years of school because when I have, when I have school and I get five A's and a D, my parents and the teachers also say, you got to fix that D. And in that environment, in that context, that may be true. But if I get five A's and a B and they're focusing on the B, I'm like, man, that's like the best B I've ever gotten in my life. Are you kidding me? I suck at chemistry, which I'm, you know, a little vulnerability here. I was not good at chemistry. And uh, my first semester at chemistry, I got a D in, in high school and college and struggled with chemistry, but other things I could get an A at. So what did I do? I went into mechanical engineering, not chemical engineering, because I would have failed at chemical engineering. And I think focusing on those negatives sometimes and in the way we're brought up for many, many years for, you know, a decade and a half of focus on getting your grades up, get your grades up, get your grades up. So we go into the business world and we're thinking we're supposed to be able to do it all really well. And that's just as Zig Ziglar would always say, that's stinking thinking. Right. So talk a little bit about the, how do you overcome these negative neural pathways and conditioning of our childhood into our 20s that helps us recognize that at this point in our life, I'm, you know, 30 something, 40 something, 50 something. I have these limitations, just accept it and get over it and start to focus on the gifts. How do we do that?
0: I think there's so many different entry points in being able to do that. And I don't think there's one right answer. I think it's finding what resonates and works with that person. And what I'm drawn to, I'm this perpetual learner and explorer and experimenter in my own health and well being. So I've tried all these different modalities. And what I want one week and what I need the next week aren't always the same thing. You might want pizza one night and the next night you want a green salad. Your body's telling you something. So it's finding that natural entry point for you. But I think first step is awareness. Second step, I say to my clients, Pause, breathe, because when we breathe, we have that choice point. So Mm -hmm. breathe and then choose and then move in the direction that you want to go. So make that conscious choice of what you want and move in the direction you want to go. So that pause, that awareness, and then taking that pause and that breath, then we can interrupt those neural pathways and be intentional about what we want to create. And then we can practice the new thought pattern that we want. Mm. And that's one conscious way of doing it. Um, there's lots of different opportunities like self-hypnosis, where you start to work into the subconscious there. I do some, I, I work with a technology called brain tap that has isochronic tones and binaural beats with changes, your brain waves. So for somebody like me, I have trouble accessing those meditation brainwaves, I I overthink, I'm a chronic overthinker, I can't bring myself down. But when I listen to this headset and listen to the isochronic tones and binaural beats in the background, they bring me there. And then it's infused with visualization and neuro linguistic programming. So it helps me at an unconscious level build those those neural pathways. So I get better doing it consciously. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And so that, so that people don't think that you're just talking about some hypothetical situation, you're going to get, we're to have to get a little personal here. Okay. There's a reason why you've become so focused on neural pathways and all the things that you're talking about. And that reason is?
0: Years ago, I was uh, playing pickup hockey with my son and uh, I was a bit like Bambi on ice I've done lots of extreme sports my whole life, but skating and hockey, um, even though I'm Canadian, is not one of them. And so my son, 11 years old, parents versus kids, I'm going to win just that competitive edge focused on the puck, not anything else. And he and I collide and I didn't see it coming. So I didn't have that visceral tension in my neck, which created this huge snapping in my neck. And gave me a very, very serious concussion. Um, Mm. And I was lower functioning than somebody who'd been thrown through a windshield without a seatbelt. I'd never hit my head. I never hit the ground. Nobody on the ice would have known. But, you know, three months later, my son was asking me to play Monopoly and I couldn't understand the game. I didn't know why I would follow the board around, let alone go past go once I've already been Mm. around once. So I was starting, I went to, to the brain injury clinic, the concussion clinic, and, and there wasn't much support there. They're like, just go home and rest. And given my background in, in integrative nutrition, different healing modalities, I knew that there was more I could do to heal my brain. And you know, I was a year into this, still not functioning very well and not getting better. So I knew that I, I became my own advocate. And it was actually Joe Dispenza's work, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you are familiar with his work, but he started to teach me about the neuroscience and the power of being able to build and create neural pathways and that our brain is plastic and we can heal and we can grow and we can build new neural pathways and, and and we have the ability within ourselves to heal. Our body is our best pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So it's really creating the environment to give our body the ability to do that.
1: So these stories that we have that, that basically craft our mental mindset and the, the, the beliefs, assumptions, judgments that we have inside about ourselves are these conditioned neural pathways over many, many years. And what I'm hearing you say is there are ways to overcome this stuff. With the things that you're talking about, that this is this isn't just uh, a philosophy. You've had to heal your brain in a way that most of us don't even have any concept or understanding of, and because of that, you now get to use that with others to help them even beyond just the the verbal part of coaching, but actually give them some exercises, ideas, thoughts, approaches to. Redefine, reframe, as you said, the way we see things, the way we consider things and the way we make decisions about things so that we can then be, like you said, more grateful, more, more conscious, more aware. And then once we get there, we can be aware and take that breath, slow down, take that pause and make a conscious decision to reframe and redefine the way we think about ourselves.
0: And I think what's so important in this is that we think that change is these huge macro events but what i've learned is it's the micro moments Mm. it's those small things that we do on a regular basis that create the biggest change
1: and is it so i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge it is it the is it a big change or is it the combination of all those little changes over time that add up to the big change
0: I think they set the foundation and you might okay. have this moment that creates a big change, but it is, it's the, mm. it's the little things. And this is where resilience is critical. Mm. And so in my work so much is around building that foundation around purpose, because if we don't know what drives us and why we're showing up in the world, the fuel in our gas tank, isn't very clean. And the it, resilience, and longer,
1: right. I don't have the energy to do. I'm just, eh, yeah, I'm
0: just getting by. Right. And if you're just getting by as a leader, your team's going to get by and your organization is going to get by. Yeah. And then resilience are these skills that we can build these small skills. Some of them are really simple. Some of them are not on a daily basis that keep us and give us the capacity to stay on the path that we want to stay on.
1: So that's you know, so obviously some of the work that uh, I've, I've looked at in resilience as a having a purpose is a huge, huge part of that, because that's what, like you said, gives us the energy and the work that you do to try to create that purpose. And what you've created in your own life is to create a purpose to be able to help others. So what what are you working on right now? What's the new Eureka for Jessica that you're working on lately that that just has your energy up and your excitement about your purpose?
0: There's a couple things I'm working on. Just building this capacity in, in working on purpose with leaders. And as I said, I used to have a belief in a story that it was soft and fluffy, but in fact, it's the most powerful work that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this with a client uh, last week really great person, high anxiety, wants to do well, and is doing everything right, but the dots weren't connected. And when we did the purpose, and his purpose is where I help, I shine, it transformed how he sees everything that he does. Mm -hmm. And now his courage, he's been elevated into another leadership role His courage to take on that role, his courage to put his team forward, his courage to speak up and ask for what he needs has has totally evolved. And he is shining because he understands the value of what he brings into his room. So growing on that. And also, I'm also working with a cohort of mine in Conscious Capitalism and really taking a look and helping organizations figure out how they can look at what they're doing and frame it in a context that they're a force for good. And business can be a force for good. And capitalism is one of the most extraordinary things that we have. And to be able to harness that and just do small pivots to create better work environments, conscious leadership, conscious culture, how are we influencing our stakeholders and how are our stakeholders influencing us and how can we work together to even be better? yeah without compromising the bottom line
1: yeah conscious capitalism i love that i love it i also like your whole idea of the micro changes because that fits in with a lot of the things that we do in leadership where we talk about leadership is really doing a thousand little things right that's why it's so difficult to try to make your own leadership authenticity based on somebody else you can't do it based on somebody else you have to do it based on your own purpose and your own ability to be able to build relationships. So I I love so many of the concepts that you're talking about. So I'd like to, I'd like to finish up today with my, my final question that I always ask my guests. And I don't know if, if I, if I warned you on this or not, but I, I think that you can handle it. If you could write yourself a letter and send it back to Jessica 20, 25 years ago and say, dear Jessica, what would that letter say?
0: So if I could give advice to my 25-year-old self, am I understanding the question? Yes. The advice I would give myself 25 years old, listen to your intuition, Mm. build your intuition, honor yourself, be courageous, and failure is an opportunity. It's a gift not to run from it, but to accept it, embrace it, and learn from it, to never stop learning, and, yeah, be authentically you. Yeah,
1: good. And I, I think I would just add one more. And, and you know, everything that happens to us happens for a reason. But maybe you shouldn't have played that hockey game. I'm just saying. You know? I you <laughs> well, know look what it did for you.
0: It was right? one of the greatest gifts of my life. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I had three concussions after that. So I had four concussions in six years. Wow. And in that, I've... I have had to have more courage and resilience than I would have ever asked of myself on my own. Mm-hmm. And I learned what wasn't the, the, the gift of, of the concussion is I lost the buffer. So mm-hmm. rather than being able to walk down a street and have all this buffer and wiggle room, it became acutely, I was on a tightrope. And so what worked for me and what didn't work for me was instant. And if it didn't work for me, whether it was physical, emotional, food, chemical, light, whatever it was, it would knock me off that tightrope. So it really taught me what what is an alignment and what is not an alignment in my life. And I've been given the gift that when things aren't in my alignment, my brain shuts down like that. It, mm-hmm. it, it tells me right away. So I'm forced to correct. Mm-hmm. And many of us don't we have such big buffers. We don't correct until we get really ill or we have some kind of crisis. Mm-hmm. And so what I try and help people do is build the radar system to figure that out before you hit the crisis point. So mm-hmm. you can take that detour rather than hit that wall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Cause we often without, without, instantaneous or even over time awareness, we let these things just go for a while. And uh, then we find ourselves in the hospital or with a health issue or whatever. And it's been there for weeks or years sometimes. So it's great advice. Well, Jessica Schneider, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being our guest today and sharing your ideas, your thoughts, your philosophies about coaching and purpose and our brains and just really the things that uh, I take away from this in being aware and being in our authentic self and being able to understand what that is so that we can show up with great energy and positiveness. And as you said, with kindness and grace every day. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks again for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great.
0: Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music... Visit PeterKatz.com.